Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for educational leaders brought to you by Central Michigan University, a leader in educational choice and excellence. I'm here with my uh, my co-host, Janelle Brzezinski. Welcome, Janelle. How are you doing today? Hi, good. I'm excited for this conversation. Um, certainly an important topic as we dive further into literacy. Um, our guest today is Dr. Chad Waldron from CMU, who we'll share a little bit more about. But um, for those of, of our listeners that are from our CMU partner schools, many of you will recognize um, Dr. Waldron's voice from um, several professional developments he's done for um, teachers in our partner schools. He is a regular at our annual conference each August and his breakout sessions are always well received. Um, he's just a wonderful wealth of information. We're lucky to have him join us um, starting November 1st um, with events following in January and March this year um, for some free professional development that he'll be offering. We dive a little bit more into that and tell you where to get inf more information as you listen on into the episode. But we just encourage people to really, you know, listen, um, you know, gather the insights that he has. And then if you're a teacher in a CMU partner school, really highly encourage you to continue to take advantage of the profession, free to professional development that he offers um, to those serving in our schools. And for those who have not had the opportunity to meet Dr. Waldron, uh, he is a PhD student from Michigan State University in instructional and teacher education. And that's after gaining his master's in education and a bachelor of science in education from the University of Pennsylvania, Edinburgh. And so we are very fortunate to have him as part of our literacy center at the university and really excited to have this conversation about literacy and how the university is supporting our charter schools in this space. So stick around for the conversation with Dr. Chad Waldron. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. So really excited to be with Dr. Chad Waldron and uh, Dr. Waldron, for our listeners that may not be as familiar with the idea of literacy, can you help with defining literacy, um, what it is and how people should be thinking about it in this space? So it's, it's always interesting to define literacy because I think so many folks only think of the reading component of literacy, where literacy is really an umbrella term that we found across the last four or five decades that we've been researching in the United States and abroad, that literacy is really reading, writing, speaking, listening, and viewing in multimodal texts. And breaking those chunks down, thinking about the multimodal texts, that are, those are the texts that we read both online and offline. So thinking of the offline text, the print text that we engage with every single day, the online text from social media to news articles to emails that we engage with, those are the multimodal texts, all requiring very, very different skills that we apply as a reader. Um, reading at its foundational core is the idea of comprehension, that we can read a text, we can comprehend, and we can talk about it. 
Um, the writing component uh, is being able to communicate what we've read, things we've learned, and do it for others that that need to read it. And then the speaking, listening, viewing are the loop that we do every day as human beings that little infants start initially with. That's where their literacy journey begins, is being able to listen, respond with sounds that are their initial speech, um, and then being able to view a variety of things in their world. Uh, for example, I have a three-year-old who can very easily point out Culver's now and talks about cheese curds at Culver's because that is part of his literate world and experiences that he's had. Um, so literacy and because cheese curds are really yummy at they are they are really really right like that's what they connect yeah I understand that and he and he and he finds and he finds every Culver's at every exit because he recognizes that logo and I don't know what that says about our parenting but it says something about Culver's and our parenting um but it it's great to see that because we realize he's on his literacy journey just like a lot of children and adults are um so literacy is is more complex than meets the eye yeah and as um you know like you're saying from such a young age you know that journey um you know obviously there's a a lot of attention on that in the early childhood years you know in those first lower elementary years you know as that journey is our entire life right we're all still um still learning every day how do you keep that that passion for learning that you know intrigue that that toddler has when they make those connections how do you keep that interest up as a student grows older um maybe for some of our middle school and high school teachers like how do they tap into that to make sure that that's a continuous journey throughout their educational career i think sometimes speaking as a as a teacher who has worked with middle school kids and high school kids in intervention work a lot of it comes back to motivation and engagement. What are the things that they are interested in? How can we bring them into conversation? I think sometimes when we're working with curriculum, we feel that, oh, eventually we're going to hit a topic of interest. And sometimes it can take a while when we're using a literacy curriculum, a science curriculum, a math curriculum, social studies, but really thinking through critically about what are the students these adolescents sitting in front of us, what are they interested in? And how can we weave that into the learning that we're doing? And it sounds so very simple, but it's so very powerful. Um, and there are some great motivation and engagement profiles that are literally take about five minutes that you can use that have been normed for middle school and high school students, as well as elementary kids. Um, I think of the Garfield survey with the various faces of Garfield, uh, Garfield the cartoon cat and how he feels about various things in reading and writing and books. Um, and they have adolescent ones as well that really help us to think about what are they interested in? How can we use those interests to forward our instruction and keep them engaged in reading and writing and speaking and listening and viewing? Um, and middle school and high schoolers, we all know adolescence is not easy. And so how can we weave in some of the things of interest to get to the standards, the curriculum demands that we need to meet as teachers. And I found that across the years in working with middle school and high school kids, you get a lot more buy-in when you tap into those things that they're interested in, bring them in as part of the curriculum. We see a lot more positive outcomes in literacy. 
So with the idea that I heard you say that literacy is not just reading, but it's reading, writing, speaking, listening, and viewing. The other thing I just heard you say is, is that uh, this literacy then reaches across curriculum from math to science to social studies and and that we need to make sure that we're tapping into the interests of the students uh, to encourage them to be reading some of these texts. So do you have ideas on how to grow that interest with those students, you know, through the high school, through the middle school, not just in the elementary classes? Like what are some strategies that teachers might be able to use as they're thinking about this, trying to really engage their students in reading? Great question. And I think one of the easiest ways is to start with the things that are closest to the student, right? We know that middle schoolers and high school students often are going to default to the things they know closest to them. So if we can start with those topics in those disciplines that are closest to their interest and things they've found success with, then we can start to build outward from it. I think of it as almost like concentric circles, right? At the center, we have our student and we have those immediate interests and loves and things that they're successful with. And if we can start with those things and then build out and show them extensions to that, it becomes much easier. Um, so to walk through an example, I've worked with a biology teacher before who talked about, you know, the students really aren't engaging with the biology content. They aren't thinking about it. They aren't being critical about it. They're not really interested. And so we actually did a very simple inventory with the students about things they knew related to biology that they had learned so far things that they brought in that they were interested in. And we started just very simplistically with a list of tell us about the things you're interested in. And then from that list, we were actually then able to work outwards and say, okay, here's a connection to that point that you made of something we're going to learn today. And that a majority of you talked about, you love this related to biology. Now we're going to build on that and learn about this today. And this is how this connects. I think so often with middle school and high school students, we automatically assume as teachers, and I've done this too, there's that connection already being built and the connection is not there. So we have to make the connection very, very obvious to the students and to get that buy-in. And then once we make that connection obvious, they're more likely to come on that journey with us. Yes, they still may question. They may still balk. I've been around plenty of adolescents who will say, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, this is not interesting. But if we can build those connections, I think we start to bring them over to, well, this is interesting. This is something that's adding to my learning. Um, and I think it's an easy way to start, but I think so oftentimes in our rush to get through things, which we all do, it's human nature and it's what we do as educators because we have so much to cover. I often think about slowing down to speed up. If we can slow down just for a minute and see where the kids are at, the interest that they have, the things we can build upon, then we can actually speed up and get through many of those topics that we need to get through. And one thought too, you know, might layer on top of some of that and be a little bit separate is certainly technology and the impact of technology will continue to have, you know, and we go back and reflect through that, that list that Orlando just said too, right? Reading, writing, speaking, listening, viewing. I mean, I, I can't see one term in there where technology has not um, <laughs> shifted drastically in Absolutely. the last few years and certainly where technology is is headed right now. Um, I guess, you know, knowing that that's a pretty broad, um, broad thing to get your insight on 
on like what are maybe just a few of the the top areas um, where you've seen the most impact with technology um, and where maybe, you know, from an educator standpoint, um, how technology could help in some of these areas, especially, you know, we've kind of been focused in on the last last few questions on middle school and high school, like where can technology um, serve to support students and, um, and get them excited about literacy? That, that I think is one of the most important things that we're hearing about both in the news and in educational practice is artificial intelligence or AI. We know that this is an up and coming and, and continuous consideration. And there are actually, as research is finding with young children to old children and with adults, there's a lot of benefits to AI technology, particularly as we think about um, reading and writing and how we can actually use those skills with the AI tools, some that are actually designed for elementary, middle school, and high school populations that can actually bring in research materials and help children formulate initial ideas in writing, give them things that they can read that are at their level. We know many children are reading at a variety of levels across the grades. So AI technology can actually produce text very rapidly on a topic. Let's say you have a group of third graders who are interested in learning more about the bees that they saw in the playground. And the teacher now wants to design a lesson about bees and how bees colonize, how they produce honey, the benefit they have to the wildlife and the environment. They can actually use a tool like Perplexity AI is one that is being commonly used in educational settings because it uses high quality resources like National Geographic, um, other research-based science websites and actually pulls in information and you can tell it I need a text about bees written at a third grade level, and it can actually generate text around bees that's written at grade level so that it takes the workload of the teacher off and actually gives and shows students how to use AI appropriately. Um, it can also be generative in writing ideas. Maybe a student, and we know many of our students struggle to generate ideas in writing around brainstorming. Let's input an idea actually see what it produces as topics that we could write about, and then actually use that to start our writing. It's not, and, and of course, the immediate fear with all educators, and, and I have this as university faculty with my own teacher candidates that I work with, is plagiarism, right? We, we don't want to teach kids plagiarism. There are ways to teach them how to use the technology that actually is generative and purposeful, that they can take that information and translate it into their own writing, into their own activities, into things that they can use as research. Um, and AI is not going away. It's ever increasing. We see it throughout our world. Um, we need to be able to help our students harness it and harness it in, in purposeful ways. I think the other impact of technology beyond AI that I see is, is really kind of at the forefront is how much texts are moving into a digital space. The print texts of old that many of us grew up with are now really moving fully digital. Um, we see many new texts that are coming to market that are actually just coming as digital only. They are not coming as a print-based text, which I think has pros and cons. Um, but we know that is the way text is moving. And so thinking about that, um, we have to be able 
to prime our students to use text in a digital space. And I know many of our school environments have great technology tools that they can use digital text already, but really helping kids to navigate those. How do those operate like a traditional print-based book? How are they different? How can we click on the words and give us a definition, um, which we can't do in a print-based book? Um, so it actually provides more accessibility for children um, and for teachers uh, that we've not had before. So I think AI and digital text have a lot of great potential in our classrooms. It's a matter of we have to be thoughtful and purposeful in how we use them. So we're speaking with Dr. Chad Waldron, Associate Professor at Central Michigan University in the Department of Teaching and Special Education. He's also the Director of the Literacy Center. And one of the things that I've really appreciated about our conversation so far is the real tangible um, suggestions that you've made that folks can grab onto and run with. And it raises the next question for me, which is about your work at the Literacy Center here at Central Michigan University. Can you tell us about the Literacy Center and what types of resources and supports that it provides for schools? Absolutely. Um, so the Literacy Center was founded in 2015. Um, and I have been the director since arriving at Central Michigan, and I'm very fortunate to be in that role. And the Literacy Center, through the support of generous donors, really has three core missions. Um, the first leg of the mission is really to provide professional development birth to grade 12. So really to support early childhood, elementary, middle school, and high school settings, um, and in that educators and administrators, as well as any stakeholders in those environments. Um, the second part of it is providing tutoring services. So through our teacher preparation program here at Central Michigan University, where we cover um, particularly the work that I do PK to six, so pre-kindergarten through sixth grade, we have a literacy assessment and intervention course where we have the good fortune of teacher candidates that have been able to support regional and statewide sites, including CMU charter schools through virtual tutoring to actually do tutoring work, um, to actually meet with children where they are with their literacy needs, because these are teacher candidates that are advanced in their program, meaning they are juniors or seniors, so they're getting ready to graduate and enter classrooms. So we've been uh, working with students, both locally and throughout the state to really support literacy development. And that is a huge part of the work that we do because it not only prepares teacher candidates to be ready for the classroom when they're hired, but it also allows children at the school sites to get the support that they need because we know our teachers are doing a lot more, 120% of what they do day in and day out. So how can we support them um, through the work that we can do. And then the third leg is research. Um, research contributing to literacy, um, both particularly here in the state. So Dr. Megan Block and I, uh, who is my co-director, we do a lot of work with the Michigan Department of Education and MESA, which is the Michigan Association for Intermediate School Administrators. We've done a lot of work with the Center for Charter Schools around literacy, um, which we are so thankful to get to work with the CMU Charter School Network as well as um, local needs and really statewide needs. So research that we can inform as literacy educators and researchers to help propel and improve literacy within our state and really then publishing it and it becomes 
part of a nationwide benefit in research that, you know, we go to national conferences, we present at statewide conferences, and really sharing the learning that we're doing, um, whether it be on children's literacy progress or community literacy initiatives, or um, interventions that we offer that have worked. Um, it's it's really providing the literacy center with an opportunity to be a research leader in the state around literacy. Well, and that's what I was just going to ask too about some of the research. I mean, you just mentioned some of those topics. Um, if you want to share a little bit more about maybe, you know, something that you're currently looking at or, you know, even nationally, some of, you know, the more trending topics in, in literacy research, um, what's really, you know, at the forefront of um, literacy professionals' minds right now and, and what's kind of coming, coming our way as far as um, research and what people are looking at for best practices? No, that's a great question. I think one of the things that um, both Megan and I have worked on a lot and are very interested in is the Literacy Center hosts a newly funded uh, through the Balhanka family, the 2023 Fall Professional Development Series. And this fall, we are focusing on writing, particularly writing in PK through third grade. We know that writing continues to be in writing instruction and assessment, uh, particularly with very young children, continues to be something teachers need support in. And research nationwide continues to grow, particularly around how we support best writing practices, not only in the PK through third grade spectrum, but really the K to 12 spectrum. How do we create children who are successful writers? And we know that writing and reading have an intricate connection uh, and success with one another. Um, so really focusing on that, and Dr. Block and I are going to the uh, the NACI, which is the National Association for the Education of Young Children. We love our acronyms in education. Um, we get to present there about interactive writing, which is actually connected to our fall professional development series. Also, another topic that is trending nationwide and here in Michigan, um, it's really become kind of a national conversation through um, popular media, through podcasts, uh, this platform is science of reading um, and understanding um, what we need to be doing to create successful literacy learners. Um, the science of reading really comes from a, the simple view of reading, which is if we teach children to decode, plus they can comprehend language, they will then be able to read. Um, 30 plus years of research has, has determined that is valid and important and that children need what it's often linked to is explicit phonics instruction. We know that children need high quality phonics and word study experiences. That's That's not debatable. It's something that research has again and again proven, particularly with our K3 kids. But what has happened is it's become part of national policy conversation, particularly at statewide levels of how do we use the science of reading to leverage the policies around literacy, but particularly reading that we want to see happen in our schools. Um, here in Michigan, it has been part of the conversation that we're having around um, intervention work, um, the implementations of policies around literacy. And in, in Michigan, we've really taken a sciences of literacy approach. We know that, as we talked about that umbrella term literacy, we can't just focus on reading. We have to focus on the entire continuum. Um, so I'm very proud of what our state has done by continuing to focus on the holistic approach to literacy, but making sure we're using research-based best practices 
in our classrooms and that we're doing those science of reading things that many reference, but we're also making sure we're doing the constellation of things that kids need to become successful literacy learners. Um, and it's, it's reading, reading has been a contested area in the United States for a very, very long time. And we'll continue to see these conversations. Um, but I think those two topics, writing the science of reading, um, which sometimes seem like polar opposites, they don't always connect with one another. Cause when folks talk about science of reading, they don't often talk about writing. Um, but we know those things to be intricately connected to literacy and that children need both. So uh, Dr. Waldron, uh, first of all, thank you. You've shared a, a wealth of expertise and your passion with us, and that that comes through in your conversation. And so it raises the question for me of, and and we used to ask this question of all of our um, all of our guests on the show, but it raises a question for me of where did your interest of literacy come from, or was there a teacher that impacted your life? that really brought literacy to the forefront for you that made this kind of be an area of interest or passion for you? That's a great question, Orlando. And I think it's a both and. So I grew up, my mom, uh, who was a single parent, was a first grade teacher for 35 years, um, was a public school educator. Um, so I grew up around educators. My grandparents were both educators, my mom's parents. Uh, so coming from a long line of educators on that side of the family, um, I, so I was always around kids and always around the world of education and always found it fascinating. I was actually going to be a meteorologist and then realized all of the math I had to do, and that was not going to fly. So that was, that career went right out the window. Um, and I like to talk and I like people. So teaching seemed to be a natural fit having grown up in that world. The other part of it was I was a struggling reader myself uh, in kindergarten, first and second grade. I actually received Title I services. I was a kid that went to reading interventions that needed it, that was not great with phonics. And so I had an awesome reading specialist and a team of professionals that supported me, helped me to be successful, a parent who recognized that I needed that, even though she was an educator. And so I think those two things, things when I decided that I really wanted to be serious and see what teaching was like, I realized that this is a good fit and this is what I love. And, and once I started in my own teacher ed program and was in literacy coursework, I realized I understand where kids are coming from when they struggle. I remember being frustrated. I remember what that feels like. And this is really cool. And there is so much to learn here. And that's why I went on to get my master's in reading education, then my PhD in language and literacy. Um, you know, this, this area for me, I think is personal, um, realizing that I was someone that struggled with it and that I could help others. Um, now getting to help teachers um, as, as someone that does professional development and prepares future teachers but also being able to recognize and remember what it's like to be that student. And then working in uh, a, a very diverse school district myself and, and getting to discover, you know, the challenges and the joys of, of working to help kids be successful in literacy. Um, so really, yeah. And then having a mother in the background the whole time that was like, 
go, go, go. You're joining the family business um, who initially tried to steer me away from it, which was kind of funny, um, but it didn't stick. And so he, here I am today, you know, uh, many years later, uh, almost 15 and still very much invested in, in public education and the work that we do. Well, thank you for sharing that story because I know for a lot of parents or teachers or uh, listeners of this program, it'll be helpful for them to also hear that, you know, it's okay. Um, and there are, there are folks there to help you and support you to work through these times. And, um, you know, that, that people do come out the other end doing just fine. Uh, and, and, yep. you know, as, as our listeners heard that, uh, Dr. Waldron, um, is, is, is a special individual working in our space and we're incredibly, uh, proud to have him as part of the CMU team. Thank you. So Dr. Waldron, you've uh, talked about the research-based and the work that you're doing in that space and some of the conferences you're attending. And I feel like we are going to be the beneficiary of all of that work or some of that work, because I know you're also doing some professional learning opportunities with our team and with some of our schools this year. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind just uh, touching on some of the professional learning opportunities you're going to be doing in that space. Absolutely. And I am super excited for the three uh, professional development opportunities that I get to work directly with the center on. Uh, the first is in November, November 1st, actually, uh, kicking off my November in a very positive way, working with uh, the charter school uh, folks, which I love working with from the annual conference to this opportunity, which will be a literacy boot camp where we are going to focus on the basics of effective literacy instruction and assessment across K to 12. Um, we're really going to tailor the session to look at the chunks, the K3, 4, 8, and 9, 12, because often research and best practices in those spaces are very similar and important to make sure that we talk about each of those three unique phases. So the literacy boot camp will really be an opportunity for educators to come and talk about the instructional practices that they want to do in their classroom day in and day out with every child. So we're going to focus on phonemic awareness, phonological awareness, comprehension, fluency, vocabulary, text structures and types. And then we're going to talk about taking it into their classrooms. I am very much a person as a former educator that is what can you do on Monday morning with your kids? So in this interactive professional development, we're actually going to take our learning and then apply it to the things educators are already doing, things they want to work on, because we all know as teachers, we have things we need to work on and want to work on each day, um, and then supporting them to do that work, because we know management and time can be such a crunch and can be a frustration. So that's the first one. The other two that are coming in the new year, which it's kind of scary to think that we're going to be in 2024 before we know it, um, is one in January. It's on January 17th. Um, and that focuses on it's not just a block literacy across the content areas where we're going to dive deep into literacy and how it is applied to science, social studies, mathematics, specialty areas. Um, for example, I think about our, our high school population of teachers that have, you know, uh, special blocks or special topics that they teach. Literacy flows throughout those. So how do we take literacy and use it throughout the day? We often think of it as only this 
you know, 90 to 120 minute chunk in our day. Um, but it actually flows throughout because if children are not reading and writing, we're not getting the outcomes we want in those content areas. So we're going to talk about that. And then in March, um, that writing topic is coming up that we know is so important is getting writing and boosting literacy. So helping teachers to be the most effective writing teachers. We know that writing for many of us is a personal struggle at times. We may not love writing. We do it and maybe do it well, but it's not always the most fun thing to talk about. So part of it is helping educators to see across K-12 how writing can be really important for their kids and how they can weave it into instruction in very easy ways. And that even if you aren't a great writer yourself, there is a lot we can do with those lessons we've learned across the years that we can teach our students um, and that they can become effective writers. And so can we as the models for them. Uh, so those are the three sessions, uh, November 1st, January 17th, and March 6th, uh, that I will get to spend with the charter school uh, folks. And I am so excited for those three professional developments. And I hope to see lots of uh, the different charter school sites there. Wonderful. And I know our team is excited to have you. We're grateful for our partnership with Central Michigan University, of course, your College of Education and Human Services, um, where you're a faculty member. And just to be able to share your insights um, with our partner schools is wonderful. Um, I think, you know, a more logistical note on, on those events, if you're interested in more information, you can visit our website at the centerforcharters.org slash events and find the dates, um, registration detail, um, all the information that Dr. Waldron just shared with us, um, really, you know, geared towards um, teachers, reading specialists, coaches, um, all are welcome. Um, if you're an educator in a CMU partner school, um, we welcome you to join those events and in free professional development, get your sketch hours, um, come spend the day with Dr. Waldron um, in Lansing and, and have a great, a great day. So um, Dr. Waldron, we truly appreciate your insights. I mean, just a wealth of information, a topic that we hear a lot about, but don't often get to dive deep into some of these specifics, best practices, the current research, um, and certainly where technology is headed in the future, you know, is, is exciting to think about. So we really appreciate your insights and want to thank you for joining us today and hope um, everybody takes advantage of um, getting to work with you on those day-long workshops um, coming up throughout the school year. Well, thank you to both you and Orlando. It's been a pleasure speaking with you both today. 